I want you to open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, 1 through 11. Philippians 2, 1 through 11. Hallelujah. It says Philippians chapter 2, verses 1, verse 1. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are, you, are your hearts tender and compassionate? I'm going to ask you the question because he's asking us, are your heart, is your heart today tender and compassionate because of what he's done for you? It then says, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Verse 3, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others, be humble, thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, now man, that's a big statement, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Verse 7, instead he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Thank you, Jesus. Therefore... God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that what? That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In Philippians 2.6. First of all, can we just... Lift our hands and say, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, help me to deliver this word today. On a celebration day, and it's also a very tender heart day for me. Bless my dad today, God. Strengthen him. Refresh him. May he just walk in an absolute peace in the midst of a day that is somewhat difficult but it's also a celebration of life that she lived and most importantly a life your life we celebrate because she modeled you and the life the life change that you brought to her life as a teenager and she never forgot it Thank you, Father, for your love inside of us. May it be so perfected. May it be so, may we be so overwhelmed with who you are and what you've done that, Father, we will be once again set on a path and like never before set on a path to be world changers in Jesus' name. Because of your love, we share your love in Jesus' name. Everybody said... Amen. In Philippians 2.6, Paul identifies Jesus Christ through... I'm going to take you on a little journey, okay? I'm taking you on a little journey to set you up and to set us up for... This is foundational. 
But in Philippians 2.6, Paul identifies Jesus Christ through a series of unique statements about him. And he says, although Jesus Christ existed in the form of God, in another translation, in the form, say with me, in the form of God. Though Jesus Christ in the form of God existed in the form, he did not regard equality with God something to be, what, grasped. Paraphrase, let me paraphrase it right now. Let me paraphrase it. Although Jesus existed from eternity as God, he did not hold on to it, but let go his rights to pursue our freedom. He let go of his rights, why? To pursue you, to pursue me. The word form, when it says in, in Philippians 2, 6, it says that Jesus, that although Jesus, he existed in the form of God, that word form there in the Greek, if you pull that apart, it literally refers to a Roman stamp. And the official government documents were sealed with wax. And, 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 and they pour the wax and then you put the, the ring and you put the ring, the, the signet ring, onto the wax. And then when you pull it away, it is an exact replica of the ring on the wax. And then you know it's sealed by an official government, an official document. And when it says in the form of, Jesus was literally exactly as a copy of the Father. Made flesh. Made flesh and dwelt among us. Paul says that the the relationship Jesus Christ bears to the Father, Jesus is the exact representation of God, of what God is. Made flesh and dwelt among us. Paul's point in verse 6 is that Jesus willingly surrendered his divine, his divine prerogative in order to what? To redeem us. There was one, there was no on earth. How many of you know this? There's no on earth that could do this. Jesus had to come. Jesus had to come. And since no one on earth was qualified to be our Savior, there would have to be, there, there, if Jesus had not come, we would be without a Savior. We'd still be lost. We'd be still, uh, they would be uh, burning cows and, and, and dripping their blood and sprinkling the altar. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. But didn't, Jesus didn't leave glory He didn't just leave glory. He didn't just lay aside glory. It says in verse 7 something. It says, he emptied himself. Listen, taking form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. He didn't just leave glory, which is a big deal. Let me show you why why that's important. Let me ask you the question. How wealthy was Jesus when he was in heaven? How wealthy was he? I'd say incredible. I countless it's infinite wealth i'd say you you could never be that wealthy here on earth as he was the wealth as he as he was wealthy in heaven the bible says that by him all things were created colossians 1 16 paul says that jesus gave up that wealth his position his possession and enjoyment of glory and became not just a man but he became something else he became a bond servant Jesus not only left everything to come, he left glory, and he didn't grasp it. He says, no, I got to go. They need a Savior, and I'm him. They need to get set free, and I'm going to get them set free. Jesus was a man on a mission. He became a man on a mission. The Holy Spirit, who inspired Paul, chose the word carefully, bondservant. It's the word doulos, which means slave. It was used of Romans, 
the, it was used of Roman slaves who were the most abused, misused, and ill-treated people of the day. That's a bondservant. Jesus, the Bible says Jesus came as a bondservant for you and for me. Jesus was born, as we know, in a dirty stable. He was born among animals. He was born in and through and wrapped. He was wrapped in clothes that they would normally wrap around people when they die. Swaddling clothes. And laid in a manger. Are you picturing this with me a little bit this morning? What Jesus did? Who he is, but then what he did? Jesus. Verse 8 describes the final step in Christ, Jesus Christ's willing humiliation for you and for me. In verse 8, he surrendered the splendor of heaven for the agony of the cross. It says in, in verse 8, and being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross. Now, if Jesus. If Jesus had humbled himself to die peacefully in his sleep of old age or die quickly or something like a heart attack, that would have been one thing. But Jesus, the Bible says, died like no man has ever died. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus fully understood what God was requiring of him, the weight of it, the pressure of it, the agony of it. He literally sweat. It was like he's sweating blood. So intense. You think, Pastor Nolan, this isn't a Mother's Day message. Oh, but it is. Oh, but it is. See, God was asking his son to humble himself in order to die the agonizing death of a criminal on a cross. See, Jesus didn't just die. He had to die the way no man wants to die. All of this in the Bible says that Jesus was God. He created the tree which the wood of the cross was made and he carried on him. He created that and he carried it. And this wasn't a thing of beauty. This was a thing of torture. This was a thing of prison. This was a thing of condemned. But yet he was innocent. We were the one guilty. We deserved the punishment, but he took it. We deserved to receive the pain, but he bore it. We deserved every stripe, and he received them. He created the tree with the wood of the. Uh, he created the tree which the wood of his cross was made, and then he carried it. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this morning, is anyone, is anyone worthy of our first love like Jesus? Is anyone worthy of our first, to be our first love but Jesus? So remember, I tell you that this Mother's Day, this day of celebrating mothers, I'm telling you that 
to lay a foundation with these verses. So in the view of Christ's incredible sacrifice, an expression of love towards us. Let's continue. How many are glad we, we are declaring the name of Jesus this morning? Jesus, King of all the earth, let the heavens proclaim your worth, the one true God. So we lead up to this. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. That's the foundation for us to be encouraged in this walk called love. Watch what God does. And then you do it. Children who learn proper behavior from their parents, mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with Him and learn a life of love. Can we, can we go back to that? Can we go back, can go back to that last one? Thanks, uh, Warren. Let's read it together. Come on. Watch what God does, and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly, what God does is love you. Keep company with Him and learn a life of love. Next, let's read the next part. Observe how Christ loved us. We just read about it. I just shared about it. Observe how Christ loved us. His love, let's read it on. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Wow. That's some serious love that we're supposed to model. Seriously? That type of love? Be imitators, it says in another passage, or in another translation, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. Wow. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Father. Father, may we just be so enthralled in your love. May we just be in a position today to receive your love and then flow out of that receiving. I pray even now, right before, even the middle of this message, I just pray right now that you would overwhelm everyone listening in the sound of my voice. They would receive an overwhelming encounter of your love now. How much you love us. How much you care for us. In Jesus' name. Mm. It says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, since we are approaching the end of all things, how many think we're closer to, to approaching the end of all things than when that was written? I think so. Probably. 2,000 years later, maybe. <laughs> Just saying. Since we're approaching the end of all things, be intentional, purposeful, and self-controlled so that you can be given to prayer. Above all, consistently echo God's intense love for one another. 
What do we do? Echo God's intense love for one another, for love will be a canopy over a multitude of sins. It'll be a canopy over what? A multitude of sins. Hallelujah. Let's read another familiar passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Are you with me this morning by tracking with me? All right. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 4 through 8, it says, the Passion Translation says, the love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessings comes, when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully, celeb- love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Mm. Love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, and which eventually fades away. It is more enduring than tongues which will one day fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. Just want to make sure. Hallelujah. It says, love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. Into that passage, in another translation, there's faith, there's hope, but love is what will remain for eternity. Why? Can you say with me, God is love. We won't need faith, we'll be in the presence and beholding him face to face. We don't need words of knowledge at that point. We don't need the gift of prophecy because we will be with the the one of truth directly. But it says this will never change. This will always remain love. Love. I'm so grateful for that. It doesn't change. All of a sudden, God doesn't turn to a God of hate. God is love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's this thing that's happened in our world today. Excuse me for a second. Between 9 a.m., singing through practice, singing through worship, and then coming to this point, it's by the grace of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, there's, this, there's something that's happened in this world. The world has abused and mis- misused this thing called love. What we call love, what the world calls love, yeah. It's just a fails in comparison to the foundation of which I just set for you. Can you say amen, right? I mean, it's not that. It's give me what I want, I'll take what I need, and in the middle of that we have some passion, we do this and we do that, and, and that's love. And then, um, if I get tired of you, if I fall out of love, then no longer have to worry about loving you, I'll just get another one. 
and I'll fall in love, infatuation and love with the next one until I don't love them anymore and I just discard them and I'll get another one. You know anybody like that? That maybe they're on their fifth one and they tie marriage into it. That's the world. Get what you get, get what you want, get what you think you need. What do you feel like? I have a a recommendation to you. If you are someone looking to get married, don't fall in love because you can fall out of love. Grow in love. Don't fall in love because you can fall out of love. Grow in love. Come on, somebody. Growing in love means, and I'm not talking about marriage today or dating, but this is, a, this is I'm going to hit it while I'm here. You grow in love. Because let me tell you something, Bobby Williams and Laura Williams, how many years, Bobby? Four, 40 what? 44 years. Oh, 42. Okay, can't quite hear you. 43. Okay, it's in the 40s. That's a lot. Hallelujah. My wife and I are 32. My dad and mom hit how many years? 58. 58 years. You don't, how many times did you fall out of love in that time? I guarantee you there's some times you can say, I think I'm falling out of love here. But it's not about you falling out of anything. It's about you staying in and growing in the process. And it takes commitment. It takes effort. It takes energy. It takes it takes two people co- coming together under the banner of the umbrella of love called the Father's love. And in that, we agape each other through the hard times. You don't just walk away. Come on, somebody. Now, I'm not talking, uh, this is not my marriage 101 today, but might as well hit a little bit of that. You don't just walk away. I fell out of love. I fell in love. I fell out of love. I'm just going to give me another one. Well, guess what? Your dysfunction follows you into that next relationship. And guess what? It's all screwed up on the day one. Because the problem isn't them, it's you. Whole people attract whole people. Half people who aren't wholeheartedly his attract half people and there's dysfunction on day one and guess what? It won't last unless it comes under the umbrella of the Father's love and a commitment. I'm not, I'm not falling out of love. I, didn't, I may have fell in love, but I'm committed to grow in love. And that's what mature people do. God bless you if you've been through those dysfunctions. Just don't let it do it again. Can you say amen, church? Come on. Where was I? What the world calls love is an abuse to the biblical love. Matter of fact, you cannot, it's not possible to biblically love without Jesus Christ, of course. You can't do, what is agape? Agape is literally an intense, it is a, it's a decision, it's a choice, despite dysfunctional circumstances. It's a choice I'm loving. 
Despite what comes at me, I'm loving. Despite what happens to me, I'm loving. Can somebody say amen? It's not about, because you can't, let me, let me just tell you something, men of God, you become men of God that love God, and then the Bible says, as Christ loved the church, love your wives. She'll have zero. It, then it doesn't even talk to women. It doesn't even talk to women. Look at it. It doesn't talk to women about loving your husbands. Why? Because if you love your wife the way God loves the church, there's no way she's not loving you. Come on, somebody. There's no way she's not loving you. As you submit to God and love your wife, she, the Bible says, wives, submit to your husband. She ain't going to have a problem with that. Why? You love her like Christ loved the church. I'm on this marriage thing this morning and I'm trying to get out of it. But let me tell you, I'm just encouraging you in it. Come on, somebody. We've got to get marriages right. And men, you've got to do your job. Be men of God. It's not an option. You're going to be held accountable before God if you haven't been a man of God in your marriage. You don't think you will, only. You will. You will stand before God and you'll say, why didn't you love your wife as Christ loved the church? This thing, love is the primary characteristic. It's the identifying factor of a child of God. If you don't love others, as Christ loves you, there's a question if you know God at all. Do you, how can you say you love God if you, who you can't see, but you can't love the people you can't see? That makes no sense. I'm just, that's my paraphrase of the word of God. Okay, so John 13, 35 says, for when you demonstrate the same love I have for you, God's talking to us by loving one another, everyone will know that you're my true followers. That love is manifested in the fruit of the Spirit and enacted through the gifts of the Spirit. The perfect example of these was seen on the life of Christ as he displayed the image of God on earth without any corruption or sin. The love that distinguishes the Christian transcends the taste, infatuation, preference, this spirit-given love is grounded in the nature of God. And how do we do that? We can't conjure it up. It's agape. It's by the Father's heart to us. It is by us being in his presence. It's by us being tenderized. It's by going in the depths and seeking into his love that we come out of it and we go, I got to love somebody. I want to love somebody. I got to share with somebody. I got to tell with somebody. I got to give to somebody. And especially my brothers and sisters in Christ who I'm going to spend eternity with come on Ephesians 3:17 Ephesians 3:17 then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him your roots will grow down grow down into God's love and keep you strong it is an unconditional love not subject to the whims of emotion or circumstance. I don't know what, what Jesus was conveying in the garden, but somewhere along a way it changed and he says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. 
Aren't you glad Jesus didn't change his mind? For the joy set before him. He saw the finished product. He says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to move out. I I came here. I meant business. I'm breaking out of this garden scene. I'm going to do this because they need a savior. And I came for that. That's the type of love that we carry. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what they do. I know I carry the love of God. I know I carry the truth of God. I know I carry the joy of God. I know I carry the peace of God. So I'm going to release it to them even if what they give me is everything counter to what I'm wanting to give them. That's agape. That's love. It's sacrificial. Doesn't matter what they say. How many of you know what people say? If, you, if they don't know Jesus, you need to pray that they know Jesus, that the spirit above them gets broken, you bind it, and they see, I need a Savior. How are they going to see that? Through your life, that no matter what happens to them, to you, by them, and they persecute you. They, how many of you have ever heard of somebody that give a story of someone that used to be their persecutor, that used to be their herder, that used to be the one that they hated, they used to be the one that they, were, they were, didn't want to be with. They ended up giving, by their consistency of their life, they give their life to Christ because of them, and then they together, they, they become best friends. Have you ever heard of something like that? I've heard many counts of that. Why? They persistent in love. It's agape, baby. It's agape. And it comes through Jesus Christ. It comes by the Holy Spirit. It's an unconditional love, not subject to the whims of emotion or circumstance. God loves us despite the fact that we really reject Him. We often reject Him. His love is a choice, a choice to love no matter what. God's people should be marked by the same steadfastness and resolve. Come on. That enduring love that that identifies as a Christian stands in the stark contrast to the wisdom of this world, which says, run, run. You don't get your way, run, run. It's seen in the wife who chooses to love her wandering husband, the pastor who chooses to love the one who offends, the victim who chooses to love their persecutor. This is the love that seeks restoration and transcends earthly wisdom. Love. This love is the truly a gift of, given by the Holy Spirit. So what, is, what, is, what exactly, you might ask, what exactly is the fruit of the Spirit? Just as a tree is known by its fruit, we're known by our fruit. So spiritual fruit manifests the Holy Spirit's work in God's people through the refinement of their character. God's into refining you for, to your, for your today and your tomorrow. He wants you, we should be coming more and more like Christ every day. Refining us. So that we're an accurate representation of Christ on the earth. It's no longer I live, Paul says, but it's Christ who lives in me. I want to be, how many want to be an accurate representation? Let me just say there's no other kind. You're either accurate or you're not. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. A person who lives led by the Spirit is marked by love, by joy. Peace, patience, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. Those who are led by the Spirit are marked by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You notice it's like, it's like two books on the end, two book holders at the end. And it's holding together all the other ones on the in-between. Get a picture of it. It's like a bookend, holding the books. What's on each end? Love. On the other end? Self-control. Love's on one side, self-control, and it binds all of it together. Your love, your self-control. Isn't that interesting? A fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So does that mean anytime I'm not in control, I'm not being led by the Spirit? Hmm. Maybe. You know, the ordering of the list. With love placed first isn't a random thing. Why? Love identifies the believer. Love, love, love. 1 John 4, 7, love. Love motivates the believer. Love is the fountainhead for everything else on Paul's list. True joy, true joy is rooted in love. The peace that passes all understanding is rooted and founded and flows from love. And so the believer whose life is empowered by the Holy Spirit will demonstrate that, that love through his or her patience. Demonstrate love through their goodness. Demonstrate love through their faithfulness. Demonstrate love through their gentleness. Demonstrate love through self-control. How many of you think that Jesus had to use self-control when he was on the earth? Just go through all the stories between him and his men, his disciples, who literally changed the earth through their encounter with Christ. What did he say when he left us, by the way? Go and make disciples. Here's the keys. I've just taken them away from the enemy. They didn't belong to him. You gave them to him, but I got them back. Now here they are back in your hands. Go, make disciples. Follow me. Do what I did. Make disciples in every nation, baptizing them in the Father. Let me tell you something. Think about all the stories that Jesus did the encounters that his disciples had with him personally and how out of love he responded. Think about even the time when the one who said, I will never, ever, can, can, I will never, ever, ever, I will be there through thick and thin. I'm, I will be there. I will give my life. I, Jesus, Jesus, before the cock crows three times tonight, it's going to be everything opposite of what you just said. Did Jesus learn 
and model for us love? Yes. Resounding. Yes. How did he? And then the Bible says, be imitators of God and live a life just as Christ. I love how Jesus modeled so many different ways. His first thing, Peter, you got to know he's beat himself. There's so many stories, but let me just track on this one. Peter had to be beating himself up and beating himself up. I mean, this was three days of torture. What happened? Uh, how can I? I can't believe I did that. What a stupid idiot. I can't believe it. He was right there and I denied him. Anybody ever been in Peter's shoes? But thank God he lifts us up. What does Jesus do? Mary comes and says, sees that he's risen, has an encounter. Jesus says, go. She says, Jesus, yes, it's me. Go, tell my disciples. And he only names one of them by name and tell Peter. Make sure you tell Peter. Peter, you can tell, you can picture him. He's like, I'm just the biggest jerk. I can't believe it. He's gone and I'm not here. I just can't believe that. And then he gets a message. Hey, Jesus is risen. Hey, he is, he's alive. I seen him. And he told me to tell the disciples. And he said, tell Peter specifically. Why? Jesus modeled what it means to love in every situation. He modeled it. I love you, Peter. I told you that was going to happen. You don't have the power of the Holy Spirit yet. It's coming. And when you do that, there's going to be thousands that come to know my name in one day because of your boldness. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do this love thing without God. Without his infusion of the Spirit of God, the power of God, we cannot do it because it's agape. It comes from the throne of God. And it's not about, it's, listen, I'm going to touch this in a second and I'm going to close this message. It's not so much about your love for God, it's about his love for you. Why is that important? Because your love for God can wane, his love for you never wanes. Come on, somebody. We screw up, we even this life, in our greatest intention, my love for you is so powerful, God. My love for you is so strong, God. And then, it's not so the next week or the next day. Kind of fainting a little bit here. Kind of off a little there. But when your foundation is his love for you, it's always solid. Always solid. Matter of fact, get in his presence. Let him tell you how much he loves you. Love him back. And out of that, you'll walk in a different perspective to touch the world for Jesus Christ. It's not your love for him. It's his love for you constantly because he loved you way before you even knew what love was all about. When you were dysfunctional, when you were screwed up, when you were messed up, when you had your heart towards that girl and not towards him or towards that thing or towards that drug or towards that whatever or to that success or to whatever, he was not even on your list until he came to you. 
You didn't know what love is. You, you knew eros. You knew phileo. You knew storge. But you didn't know agape. You didn't know supernatural love until Jesus came into your heart. Now you know. Now you know. Now you know what love is. And it's not something you earn. It's not something you deserve. It's something you receive because it's called grace. Does anybody love Jesus this morning? See, when I ask that question on a Sunday morning, it means way more than just, do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Yeah, I love him. Let me finish this message. It's not by our effort that we can, supernat- that we can live supernaturally like Jesus instead of naturally like the fallen, fallen Adam. It is only through the work and the gifting of the Holy Spirit that the church and every Christian possesses the capability are reflecting the beautiful image of Christ. I want you to hear differently. I want you to hear this morning, and I'll close with this, on this Mother's Day. Because if we, listen, if mothers grasp what it means to love, their children like they've been loved by Christ. If fathers do this, if we love the world as we've been loved, we really will be world changers and giant slayer, those raising those who become giant slayers in the land. We know, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 13. Because I want you to see a little different perspective as we close. Christians are supposed to love one another. And we, we're, we're quick to sketch out what it looks like when you love somebody. And okay, that's a, it's, a, it's, it's a good thing. 1 Corinthians is a good thing that we look at it that way. And we begin to do a comparison of what we're doing and not doing. And that's a natural thing to do. We'll read that and go, I need to get better than that. I'm not so kind, that gentle. Oh. And we begin to do a comparison and then we get into a point where we're not measuring up. But I think we're getting ahead of ourselves when we immediately jump to applying the passage to ourselves. And we're supposed to be loving, but that's because we're supposed to be like Christ, like God who is love. So I've been, I I want us to reread the passage of 1 Corinthians 13. I'll just read it to you because let's read it this way because it'll change the way your perspective is, because I want you to know it's about his love for you more than it is for your love for him and why that changes everything. Anybody with me? Okay, so listen. God is patient. He is kind. He does not envy. He does not boast. He is not proud. He is not easily angered. Oh, I missed one. He does not dishonor others. He is not self-seeking. He's not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. God does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. He always protects, always trusts, always hopes, 
always perseveres. Who gives us the definition of love? God. God never fails. I said God never fails. But doesn't the way I read that, it changes everything. Listen, it changes everything by reading it that way. God is a person. He has a personality. It's hard to imagine sometimes because he's, we see him in infinite and in abstractions of, of God's nature, his transcendence, his power, his knowledge. God, but he's a person. This passage comes to our rescue when I'm praying and when I'm worried that God is frustrated with me or angry with me or just fed up with the watching me commit the same sins over and over and over again. This passage reminds me that if God, the God I'm imagining is angry at me, I'm not imagining God. If the God I'm imagining is ready to give up on me, I'm not imagining God. If the God I'm imagining can't do anything to help me out of the hole I've dug myself in, I'm not imagining God. Is anybody hearing me? We know that God is love, and, and if this is what God does, then what we have is an incredible, accurate picture of God's fatherhood, how he relates to us, how he thinks of us. I love you. I'm patient toward you, kind, not envious, boastful, or proud. I used to think I was a little afraid of God. But it must have been something else I'm, I'm a, I was afraid of. Since nobody could be afraid of somebody who's patient, kind, humble, and protective, and unfailing, persistent in love, how can you be afraid of that? When we stop being so focused on our deficiencies and start focusing harder on God and who He already is, everything I aspire to be, the sheer gratitude from having a God who's not looking at me and thinking of all the th ways I'm failing Him, that begins to take over my life. And I begin to rest in the Father's love for me. Remember, it's not something we can conjure up. It's something we receive. It's agape. It's from the Father. That in itself is enough to get me closer towards my goals than I, than I can ever get on my own. I want you to read this verse with me. I'm going to read it, but you can follow along. Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. When I think of all this, I fall on my knees and pray to the Father. God bless you. The creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully under understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life 
and power that comes from God. Hallelujah. Paul uses four dimensions in this passage to describe the immensity of the good love of God. How wide reminds us that his arms, that that his arms reach around the globe. On the cross, Jesus' arms reached around us. Its length reminds us that his love extends from eternity past into eternity future. Aren't you glad for that? It existed before the foundation of this world and it will exist at the world's end because God is love. The depths, the depths remind us that his love addresses the deepest needs of the human heart. Aren't you glad for that? His height, his height reaches to the very throne of God. Out of love, we just read, we talked about Jesus came. He came down from heaven and lifts us up to his level. For now, we are seated in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. I want us to stand this morning. I want the worship team to come. Hallelujah. Can we just close our eyes right now? Let's just close our eyes across this room. And I want you to hear today in a fresh, a fresh encounter how much the Father loves you. How much He loves you. It says in Romans 8, 38 and 39, so now I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that His love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels or dark rulers in heavens, in the heavens. There's nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. There's no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Father, I just pray right now that at the sound of my voice on the airwaves, whoever's listening there, and in this room, that there would just be such a fresh encounter of your love. May your heart, Father, through this message, we hear your heart towards us. We're reminded about how good you are. We're reminded about the great links of your love that you, you reached out, that you sent your only son. And Jesus, the life that you lived, not grasping your formal place, you left glory in order to come and to show us how to love. You showed it. You modeled it. And in the exact 
You are the exact model. You are the exact image of God in human form. You showed the Father's heart. Today, I pray in this room and on this call, on the air, in the airwaves, that Father, your people would just be right now renewed, refreshed, and blessed in your love to them. I pray for a fresh encounter of your love. In Jesus' name. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, agape starts there. Real life starts there. Eternal, eternity forgiven starts there. Name written in the Lamb's Book of Life starts with Jesus and accepting Him as your Lord and Savior. Just right now, bow your head with me and pray after me. Jesus, I see my need for you. I see my need for your saving grace. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for bearing on your back my punishment. Thank you, Jesus, for every drop of blood. Your word says it washes me clean. I need that clean. I need that today. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. This day, I give my life to you. I believe that you died and that you rose again and that you're the Son of God. And I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to be Lord of my life. I give you the reins. I give you my heart. In Jesus' name. In your name I pray. Jesus. Amen. 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 Father, I just pray for every mom at the sound of my voice right now. I pray for every mom. The ones, I just sense the ones who have been weary right of, of days late. The latest days, right now, they've been weary and well-doing. I pray, Father, that you would encourage the mother. You encourage them. The one who has the wayward son, the wayward daughter. Father, I pray that you would encourage them in the moment. Father, we praise you and thank you. We just call forth the son and the daughter in Jesus' name. We call them forth in Jesus' name. Away from, their, away from their wayward ways and into back into the kingdom. The ones that used to know you, we call them back. Those who have been seeds that have been planted by mom's life and prayer. Father, that they're contending for son and daughter. They're contending for granddaughter. Some are contending for grandson and granddaughter. In Jesus' name, I pray, Father, for the prodigals to return home and those who never knew you to come to know you. We ask that you would open their eyes to see in Jesus' name, remove the blinders that they see that they need Jesus. In Jesus' name. I pray peace in the journey. I pray joy in the Holy Spirit. I pray a new sense 
of your love. I pray and declare over them, every mother, that, Lord, they shall reap a harvest of blessing because they fainted not. Bless them today. We bless our mothers. We bless our, our, our family. We bless, Father, the mothers that are alone. But the Lord help them to know right now they have, they're not alone. You're with them. You're with them right now. In Jesus' name. May this be a day of rejoicing. May this be a day of comfort. May this day be a day of walking and living in your peace. In Jesus' name, I declare rest over every mom, their heart, their life. I pray for supernatural provision to come from heaven. In any way that they have been calling upon you, Father, your word says that you do far more than we ask or think. So, Father, right now, I just release supernatural provision in Jesus' name. So I want, to, I want us to do one more song. I'm going to try to sing it. But I want you just to be able to just receive this. And then you can sing along. The Bible says this, that the unrighteous, the unrighteous will be cursed for three, four generations, but the righteous will be blessed by God for a thousand generations. How many are the righteous this morning? Come on. I just want, we're going to sing this song. I want you to feel the blessings of God on your life today. We release this in the airwaves and over your life.
your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations it's your family it's your children and their children and their children celebrate you. Thank God for you. Walk in the revelation of his love this week and flow out of that to love somebody else. Can you say amen? Come on. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Uh, don't forget, we're not supposed to hug in each other. So just kind of give you six foot high five. What? Yeah, and there's guys uh, to receive your offering in the back if you have it. God bless you. God bless you. Richly. Richly.